All right, everybody, welcome to New Life. Glad you're here today. If you would, please go ahead and find a seat. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I want to say welcome to all of you that are family, that are visiting uh, this week, you know, here in the Kearney area, and you're here with us. I also want to welcome all of you that are from around this area, that this is your first Sunday to come check us out, and you're kind of looking for a church. I want you to know that I'm thankful that you guys came here today. You could go anywhere. But you're here. And so I want to say thanks. I also want to welcome all those that are watching us uh, in our gym venue as well. Uh, I have a big, uh, big passion uh, for the gym and for everything that's happening down there. So thank you to those of you that are worshiping with us and for all of you that are guests that are attending in our gym venue as well. Um, listen, today we're going to continue in our teaching series, Red Letter Revolution. Okay. Now, the whole intent of the Red Letter Revolution is to cause a revolution to happen in your heart. What does a revolution in your heart look like, though? Well, a revolution in your heart would mean that your behavior would look more like Christ. Your um, your attitude would look more like Christ. Your speech would look more like Christ. That God's word would come alive, that you could apply it to your life. That God's word um, would start, you know, causing you to, you know, be a different person. Um, letting God's word transform your life. That, that happens by an equation that we came up with, which says basically hard teaching, that's the H.T., Plus revealed truth. So Jesus, that's what we're using, all of Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching can be hard at times. It can be difficult to understand, difficult to palate, uh, much less apply to your life. And so when things are hard, then it's, it's many times difficult to find, to find the truth in it. But when you can find hard teaching from the Bible and you can find the truth, that's good, right? But if you don't ever apply it, then you'll never experience the spiritual revolution in your life. So today, we're going to tackle another hard teaching of Jesus. And I'm going to try to help you discover what the truth is in it. And then it's going to be your job to take it home and apply it to your life. Because only you can apply the hard teachings of Christ to see your life be transformed and changed. Okay? Are you with me? All right. Now, have you enjoyed this teaching series up to this point, if you've, if you've been a part of it? Is that, has it been good for you? Okay. Good. Well, then today we're going to tackle one of one of the hard teachings of Jesus that deals with finances and giving. Yeah. So before you get up and leave, because I know these these are not the subject matters that uh, are the most popular on the scale of, hey, pastor, I want you to preach on giving. But Jesus taught on it. And if it's a hard teaching of Jesus, we need to figure out how to apply that truth to our life. So that we can be transformed and changed. Okay? So just know that's the heart it's coming from. I was reading to, uh, this past week, just preparing for this sermon. I came across this cute, hilarious story that was a, a column in, in, of Ann, Ann Landers. It showed up in the newspaper underneath her column. And it was about a young girl who wrote in about her aunt and her uncle. She goes, I love these, this aunt and uncle of mine. They, they're really special to me. They, they've meant a lot in my life. Um, there's one thing about my uncle I need to tell you, though. And that is that he's he's probably the most tight person financially I've ever ran into in my entire life. She goes on to write that every week that he gets paid, he takes $20 out of his paycheck and he sticks it underneath the mattress of his bed. Right now, over time, don't you think that would kind of add up? I would hope that it would add up so much that I couldn't even sleep there anymore. Right. I mean, come on, if you're going to put money underneath your mattress, it at least should hurt when you sleep. Because you're not getting any interest at all. This guy takes $20 and he sticks it underneath his mattress and that's what he does. Now, he gets ill 
um, the niece writes, he gets ill and and the illness, it takes him to his deathbed. And on his deathbed, he calls for his wife who comes over. He says, honey, I want you to promise me something. With some of his last breaths, he says to her, I want you to take all the money I've been stashing underneath the the uh, the mattress and I want you to place it in the coffin with me when, when I die. I want to take it with me. Now, if it's your husband that's in that state and he's asking for something, what are you going to say? Absolutely. I, I'll do it for you. Shortly after that, he dies. And the niece writes that um, her her aunt now goes immediately that day to the bed, lifts up the mattress, gathers all the $20 bills, walks right to the bank and deposits it into the bank, of which she takes a check immediately after that, writes a check for the full amount, takes it back and puts it in the coffin. Yeah. She followed through on her word, man. She was a woman of her word. And for some of you that are out there going, I don't get it. I don't understand. Nudge the person next to you. They'll help you. Okay. You do need to know today, as we talk about finances, you, you can't take a penny of anything that you have stored in any particular account. There is no special account that anybody will ever sell you that says, put your money in this account. It will meet you in heaven or put your money in this account. It will meet you in hell, whichever the place is that you you're trying to get to with your lifestyle. That's true. What do you mean? Some of us are living both ways. So um, I'm just saying that you can't take any of it with you. That guy, he didn't understand that. You need to understand that right off the bat today. But I think the, to prepare your heart for the better place of the direction of today's message, let me tell you another story about a little girl who was sitting in a service just like this, and a missionary was coming through. He was a missionary to Burma, and he was talking about his heart to reach the lost villages of Burma, that he wanted to go and he wanted to preach the gospel and he, he wanted to make sure that every last person knew about Jesus. This little girl is sitting there with her little coin purse inside of her nice, cute little purse. And she's sitting there listening to this and saying, God, all I have is a penny to give. God says, I want you to give that penny. So when the missionary is done speaking that day, she with passion in her heart runs up to the missionary. He goes, sir, sir, I don't have much to give, but what I have is this little penny. And the missionary took it with a big smile on his face. And he says, man, thank you so much. I'll make sure this penny goes to helping people find Jesus in Burma. And the missionary, he, he was he was toying now with an idea. Like, well, do I take the penny and I just put it with all the rest of the offerings that I received from this church and all the other churches and then go do some kind of a large outreach? But he couldn't get beyond that point. He couldn't. He couldn't come to that resolve. He was wrestling with the fact that this little girl sensed God say to her, give the penny to reach souls in Burma. And so he kept the penny in his pocket and he kept asking God, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? And then one day he sensed God's spirit say to him, I want you to take that one penny and I want you to buy a gospel track. I want you to buy a leaflet that communicates the message of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you who to give that track to. So he goes and he buys the track for the one cent. He carries it around with him from village to village. And in one village, he meets a chief. And while sitting there discussing with this young chief, he senses it in his spirit that he's supposed to give the track to the chief. So he does. And the chief receives it like any other gift. 
Now the chief was a man with low education. He was prideful. He, he didn't want anybody to know that he couldn't read it. So he just received it with a smile on his face, but he didn't know what it said. And so some months go by, and then the chief is on a journey, and he finds a man who can both speak his language and read what's on the track. And as he hears the message of Jesus Christ that's printed on that one-cent track, this man ends up giving his life to Jesus. Now that's well worth the penny by itself. Except for as the chief, he uses his position of influence when he returns to communicate now this newfound joy that he has in his heart. And now elders of his village are giving their life to Jesus. And people that they are over are starting to give their life to Jesus. And so one day the chief was so overwhelmed with the conversion of Christ that was taking place in his village, he demanded and he called on local missionaries, come in and help me establish the foundation of Christianity in my village. One girl with one little penny, giving it for the cause of Christ. And we see a village transformed. What would you have done if the Holy Spirit would have spoke to you about the one penny? Would you have been like the classic, typical American? God, what can you do with the one penny? I mean, come on. What can you do? I find pennies laying on the ground. I mean, now our economy is at a place where I find quarters laying on the ground. What can you do? The little girl had faith. And she trusted that God could do anything with the one penny. See, I think that better prepares us today to deal with the teachings of Jesus when it comes to finances and giving. Because God's always interested in your heart. He's interested in your heart first before he's ever interested in your finances. You could be the biggest giver in this church, but with the wrong heart, you're going nowhere. You're throwing, you're throwing money at things that aren't gonna, that aren't gonna even matter. Oh, God's gonna use it to build his kingdom, but your heart's not being transformed. God cares about your heart. I care about your heart. That's why Jesus one day in Luke chapter 21 found himself in this situation. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in, she dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them. For they, they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. And that's where Jesus found himself. And it's out of this passage that I want to help you understand how do you, how do you get this kind of heart of the giver? Jesus, through this passage, is trying to teach us a couple of things. He's trying to teach us what true giving is. He's also trying to teach us what true generosity is. And if we'll stop for a moment and we'll look at some of the measurement tools that Jesus is giving us and we can overlay that hard teaching on our life, you might find some truth that just radically transforms your life from this day on. So what is the first measurement tool that Jesus gives us in this passage? The first thing that Jesus says is this. Jesus said, the poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them. What's he talking about when he says she's given all She's given more than all of the rest of them. It's obviously not the amount that she gave because the Bible tells us that she gave how many coins? Two. What type of coin? Small. The coin she gave probably was a penny that was broken into quarters and she brought each quarter to it, which would have been about a half penny at her time. That's probably what she, what she brought when it's talking about that size of money. 
That's not a lot in any culture, in any society, and in, and or in any economy. So how does Jesus say that she has given more than all the rest of them? It's because he's talking about her heart. He's talking about the spirit of the giver. He's dealing with the spirit of the giver. Her gift, her gift wasn't to draw attention to herself. It's not what she was trying to do. Her gift wasn't out of religious duty. It's not the attitude that she was coming with. Her gift wasn't given out of a grudge. That's not what she had. She gave out of worship. She gave out of joy. She gave out of faith. This woman gave out of obedience in her heart. In her heart. This widow came to God and said, God, what is it that you're saying to me today? What are you speaking to this widow's heart? I want to respond in that manner. And she sensed the Holy Spirit saying, give this amount. And that's what she gave. Very much like 2 Corinthians 9 says. When it says that each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves what kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. Now notice something about this passage. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart. Do you think that God's saying to you and to me today, hey, you just come up with any number you want to and you give it? That's not what God means when he says, you decide in your heart. What he's meaning by that is, you decide in your heart basically to line up with my heart. You seek my heart and let your heart line up with mine. Then you're going to experience what it really means to have the true spirit of giving. Not with you in control. It's when he's in control that you find the true spirit of giving. When your heart gets lined up with God. And that's what this widow, that's what she came to understand. That she didn't give reluctantly or under compulsion. I mean, let me put it to you a different way. If you have kids in here, this story is going to be really, really profound. It's going to be right in your alley. It's going to be right in your wheelhouse. And for many, for many of you, you can remember back to it. But let's say that you have a kid, his name's Johnny, and Johnny just doesn't know how to keep his room clean. And so you have to come to Johnny over and over and over again. Johnny, it's time to clean your room. Johnny's like, ah, I don't want to clean my room. I want to go play in the dirt. You're like, well, Johnny, you can't go play in the dirt unless you clean your room. I don't want to clean my room. My friends don't have to clean their room. You've heard it all, right, parents? Right? And so finally, Johnny reluctantly walks into his room and you hear the, you hear the closet doors open because this is the way boys clean. Closet door opens. You hear the bed squeak along the floor. Everything gets shoved back behind the bed, shoved into the closet. Doors close. Johnny comes out and goes, now can I go play in the dirt? Now, how does it make you feel as a mom or a dad when you know that your child reluctantly did this? They gave to clean, but even when they did it, they only, they, they hardly even gave it half their heart. Doesn't it just make you feel honored as a parent? Doesn't it make you feel like, wow, my authority really matters? It makes you feel super powerful and, you know, like you're in charge, doesn't it? Well, what if Johnny knew his room was clean, knew his room was dirty, and before you asked him, he cleaned it, and then he came out to the kitchen, mom, and he told you, hey, mom, guess what I just did? I just cleaned my room. Come see it. And you walked over and you saw it. You opened up the closet and you looked underneath the bed. Sure enough, things were actually put where they belong. As soon as Johnny goes out to play in the dirt, which you would have allowed him to do for like the rest of his life after that, you do a nice little, you know, nice little dance right there in his bedroom. You lift up your hands. You're like, it's a miracle. Right. That's what you would do because 
That was the heart of the real giver. It wasn't reluctant. What do you think God's looking for out of our lives? You think it brings God great joy when we give reluctantly and out of compulsion? Like, oh, here goes the offering plate. and Got to do it again. These guys are asking for money again. It's like every time I come to church, I come to church once a year. And every time I come, they ask for money. You know, I mean, what do you think God's looking for? See, God's looking for that cheerful heart. Guess what God's wanting to develop in you? He's wanting to help you develop what the widow had. That true spirit of giving, which is a cheerful heart. So what will it require? What's required in your heart to be transformed and changed if you want to have the spirit of the giver like the widow had? Three quick things that the widow, she knew. She knew that giving must be out of worship. That giving must be out of worship, all right? Giving must be worship. In, in the sense, what she's saying is this. You are my king. Everything I have was first yours. It belongs to you. I'm coming and giving it because you are actually the one that's in charge. And if you say it to me, I'm doing it because I want it to be an act of worship. I want to honor you as my king, as my authority, like the child who comes and says, I've already cleaned my room. You are my authority. I knew that would please you. I want to do it out of worship. So the true spirit of the giver gives out of worship, not reluctance or out of compulsion. But she also knew that giving must be out of obedience. That it was not what her soul thought. Like, I can't give this money. How am I going to eat lunch? It was what her spirit was saying. Trust me, is what she sensed God saying. You can give. You can give it. You can give it just the way it is. And you can trust me because you can know I'm in, I'm in charge. Be obedient to the spirit, not to the soul. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. When I was just a young kid... When I, uh, I don't even even remember how old I was. I was actually, you know, very little. Uh, in fact, I was so little, it was at the stage where I would be at church, kneeling down at the pew, not because I'm praying, but because that's the easiest way to play with your matchbox cars, you know, on the pew. All right. And that's the age that I was at. Well, my grandfather, very cool man. He always thought that you need to have some walking around money. So he would give us as grandchildren a couple bucks here and there. This time I must have done something for him because the walking around money was the most I'd ever had in that little pocket at any time in all of my life. It was a crisp, brand new $20 bill. That could buy a lot of Matchbox cars. I've got this thing folded up. You know, the way my dad told me to fold it up. You don't wad money up and stick it in your pocket because then you pull it out, you drop it on the floor and the guys like me find it. Okay. So he told me, fold it in half, stick it in there, you know, make sure it's nice, the whole works, so you don't lose it. So I got it folded in half, stuck in my pocket. I'm walking around feeling like the king of the mountain. I got 20 bucks in my pocket. Well, at church that day, a friend of our family, a missionary who was helping Jews find Jesus, he was preaching and he was talking about, you know, the whole thing of, Helping these guys discover who Jesus really was and da 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 da. He gets to the end, which I'm stopped playing with the matchbox cards. I'm now paying attention. This guy is pretty good. He was intriguing me as this little kid. Gets to the end, he goes, I'm going to take an offering. And if you feel led to help me, you know, help Jews find Jesus, I, I, I want you to give. And I remember inside of that little dinky heart who was just playing with matchbox cards, God's spirit said, Jeff, give the $20. You know what I did? Stuck my hand in my pocket. I pulled out the $20. As soon as the plate came by, I put it in there to my dad's surprise, probably. There went the $20. 
Now, I didn't run back up to an usher afterwards and said, sir, sir, I need my $20 back. I don't know what I was doing. I didn't do that. I don't remember that at all. In fact, all I remember was this joy in my heart of going, I gave all that I had. It was the most I had ever had. Now, that's an awesome story, right? Overlay that with what happened a couple of years ago in the inner city of Omaha where I was living, planting a church there, and I'm ministering to this gentleman, and um, while I'm standing there, I sense God's Spirit say to me, Jeff, I want you to give that guy the $20 bill that's in your pocket. Um, excuse me? I, I don't give money out on the street because I know what happens on the street. That money goes and they go buy another, they go buy more alcohol, they buy more drugs or something like that. I'll go buy, I'll go buy the guy a burrito at the gas station. You know, I'll give him a ride someplace. We'll go ride down to Burger King, buy him a cheeseburger, but I'm not giving him 20 bucks. And God, man, just won't let go of me. And so I back away from the guy and I'm over here wrestling with God. I probably look like a complete stranger. Actually, I probably look normal. I was downtown talking to myself. So <laughs> I probably looked normal, but you can get away with a lot of stuff down there. It was pretty kind of cool. All right. So I'm, I'm standing there and I pull my, pull my wallet out of, uh, of my pocket and I look at it, I have a $20 bill, a $5 bill, and two ones. I would like to tell you I gave the man the 20, but as I reached for the 20, my adult reasoning kicked in, my soulful reasoning kicked in, and I went, no, I'm only going to give the man a five. And then I had the goal to walk up to the man and say, sir, I feel like God told me to give you this. See, I'd like to say to you that every single time I get it right, but I don't. It's called obedience. Sometimes you're going to nail it. Sometimes you're going to blow it. I know one thing about obedience with God. You never get a chance to go back and do that again. The next time that God asks me to do something like that, and God says, Gay, Jeff, I want you to give $100 to this, I can't turn around and go, Well, God, I'm going to give you the 100 and I'm going to kick in the 15 God. I'm paying you back. Because God's going to look at me, and he's going to go, I care less about the 15 Jeff. What I care about right now is the 100 it's about obedience. And you never get a chance to go back and do it again. You only get a chance to do it right the next time. So the widow understood that it was about obedience. All right? But she also knew that giving must be done by faith. Must be done by faith. Faith. What, is, what do we mean by that? That she could give more because she realized she couldn't outgive God. This widow had to come to a conclusion that she was giving more than anyone else because every time she gave, God provided for her. And then every time she gave, she thought she'd given it all, but then God got, God gave her more. And so she realized, I can't outgive God. That's one of the things you've got to come to the conclusion of. You can't outgive God. That's faith. But she also, she also understood that, you know, I give more because I believe that God provides all of my needs. By faith, she realized that I'm not the one that provides my needs. You're not the one that provides your needs. You're like, yeah, but I work hard. Yeah, that's true. What if you can't ever work anymore? Tomorrow you're in an accident. Who's going to provide your needs? You? The government? Telling you every dollar you have in your pocket, in your 401k, in your retirement account, in your savings, in your checking, hidden underneath your mattress. It was all provided by God. It was first His. It belongs to Him you just to get to be the manager of it, which was the last thing of faith that the woman really understood, which was by faith, I realized I'm just a manager. There's got to be a big transition that happens if you're going to have the spirit of a giver. You got to move from I'm the owner to the manager. 
It's a hard thing to do in our culture. It's a hard thing to do in our prosperity. It's a hard thing to do with where we live and what we have. But I'm telling you, that little switch that takes place inside of your heart, moving from the owner to the manager, will radically transform the spirit of the giver inside of you. You'll find greater generosity than you've ever found before. You'll find a greater pleasure in giving than you've ever discovered in all of your life. You'll discover what Matthew 6 really means when it says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You'll find the desires of your heart will start matching more with God's kingdom than earthly pleasure. And it's not, this is not a message that, you know, you shouldn't be rich. That's not it at all. I pray God blesses every single one of you. I, I would, my prayer is that every single one of you would be a millionaire if you could handle it. So that you could turn around and you could use those funds in one way or another to bless God's kingdom as he speaks to you. Yeah. I pray God blesses you in all kinds of ways. So that the obedience of your heart is at a place though that you could give. So if all the obedience of your heart can do is the tithe on 10,000. If that's all you can handle. Then I pray God gives you a job that all you get is 10,000. So because your faith is all you can give away is 1,000. But if your faith is at a point where God can bless you with a job that you get a hundred thousand, then praise God and you can tithe on it. But if you ever get to the point where you make so much money, you can't tithe anymore. That would be the moment I would pray God reduce their income to the place where they could actually understand what true tithing is. You go, well, that sounds weird. No, that would be godly. I want you to live the most blessed life you can, but I want you to live the most obedient, faith-filled life that you can as well. That's what God's searching after. So giving tells you where your heart is at. Giving tells you, you know, where, where are your priorities at? And today, my question to you is, from a spirit of the giver, what's God saying to you today? Because that's all you're responsible for, is responding to God. It's not where Jesus ended, though. That was one measurement, the spirit of the giver. But then he also comes back and he says that Jesus said that the widow has given everything that she has. So now it's confirmed. The widow hasn't just given some of what she has, a token of what she has. This widow has actually given everything that she has. So first, she's given more than anyone else. And now she's given everything. You know what Jesus is trying to drive home here? He's trying to drive home the sacrifice of the giver. So there's the spirit of the giver, but there's also the sacrifice of the giver. Now for this, for this widow, she's poor. She's a poor widow. And I'm telling you what she gave hurt. And if you're going to be a a true giver, then sacrifice is required. That means there's times when you're going to give and God's going to ask you to give financially that it is going to hurt. I remember when we finally got to two cars, we had a family of four kids. We finally got to two vehicles. I'm telling you, that's revolutionary. When you have a family of four kids, a family of six, and you get the two cars, and now you can actually go somewhere different. And you can actually have a manly vehicle and not a minivan. Woo. Did I, did I, did I step on anybody's toes? I'm sorry. Because Pastor Ed has been telling me lately, he's dreaming for a minivan. So he does, he's just getting ready to have one kid. Uh, it baffles me. You know, I'm like, hang on to a four-wheel drive as long as you can, Pastor Ed, all right? As long as you can, because one day it's going to be taken from you. All right, so I finally got to two vehicles, right? And 
I only had it maybe a couple of weeks. And I'm driving from, this is when I was on staff here. I'm driving from here to my house. And the short distance from here to there, I sense God say to me, Jeff, I want you to give this vehicle away. Before I get home, I know exactly who I'm supposed to give it to. I call him that night and I give it away. By the end of the month, that vehicle is not even mine anymore. Now, I, I tell you that, but I also have to couple it with, I've recognized something about my life. I'm going to call myself younger back then, all right, if you'll let me do that, because it was a lot of years ago. When I was younger, I tended to give way more away. In fact, I can recall multiple moments, thousands of dollars just given away. As I get older, I'm recognizing something in the inside of me. My tendency is to hang on. My tendency is to go, yeah, but Jeff, you gotta, this is your prime time, man. You're, you're empty nester. This is the time to, you know, really prepare for, um, retirement. This is the time to hang on to assets. This is the time to gain, 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 gain. As if somewhere in the future, it's all gonna change again and I'm gonna start being a giver again. I'm just telling you, the older you get, there's a tendency on the inside of us to go into self-preservation mode. And that fights very much against the spirit of the giver and the sacrifice of the giver. There's a fight on the inside of every single one of us to stay obedient and to trust God. No matter what our age is, no matter what our bank account looks like, that's what God has asked us to do. Sacrificial giving means that you might go without some kind of a self-pleasing comfort to gain and grow God's kingdom. That might happen for you. You might be asked to give sacrificially to grow God's kingdom. Let me, let me tell you, let me show you an example of what I mean by that. This facility that we sit in, it hasn't always looked this way. Take a look at what it used to look like. That picture is taken from right up over there. Alright? Now across over here where you guys are sitting, up in the, up in the balcony, when, where you're sitting in the lower level, and where you're sitting down in the gym, didn't even exist. These are classrooms, actually, that are being used because we had a dream at this church to fill this auditorium, but it wasn't large enough. The congregation wasn't. So we made those into classrooms on both sides, and we used them. Take a look at what the outside of the church looked like. See? This over here is where the, this is over here where the gym actually goes. So you that are watching us down in our gym venue, it didn't even exist. You wouldn't even be down there right now. It's such a small place. You're standing here where there's parking lot now. Somebody... When this looked like this, gave sacrificially so you and me can have something that looks more like this. Like that. I mean, the orange is amazing, by the way. I like orange. Orange is one of my favorite colors. Just maybe not in 2014. All right. So somebody, you know, they gave sacrificially because, you know, you got to know that um, material to just grow out of the ground and climb onto these pews by itself. Walls didn't just come down by themselves. All that stuff came from sacrificial giving. Take a look at the outside of the building. I had to be so far away to take that picture. You can see the gym. You can see part of the new uh, children's facility, additional office space. I mean, it's just expanded because people have given sacrificially. I want to say to you that have been around throughout all those phases that have given, thank you. You got the spirit of the giver inside of you. And you gave sacrificially so that we can keep growing and advancing God's kingdom. So let me ask you a question. At New Life, have we arrived? Are we done? I mean, our land is, our land's getting smaller and smaller by every building phase that goes up. Is it that God wants us to keep adding on to this facility here? And we're going to go like, is this a high rise now? Is that what it's supposed to look like? 
Is that what it means to, to reach souls that we just keep adding on? I don't know the answer to that, but I know this. God has spoke to our hearts. God has called us to North Platte to plant a church out of a healthy church. A church that looks just like our gym venue. We launched that thing back in October and it's been thriving. It's been going. And those guys down there have been inviting friends and God's been bringing new people into the church and it's been growing like crazy. And God's given us an opportunity to plant a church in North Platte. It will be new life. It will be connected with us. In fact, we just moved our campus pastors out there. They moved into their parsonage on June 1st. An exciting day. Exciting day in our movement forward. That's not where it's going to end, though, because on the third Sunday of September, we're opening these doors up in uh, North Platte, and we're going to start reaching more and more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It, it's going to be exciting. However, this is what it looks like right now. That's a storefront downtown. Is that the kind of place that you think people are going to want to invite friends to? Does that have an appeal? Like, hey, come off the streets. We're a, we're a life-giving church. We love people. It doesn't look that way right now. It's got rock on it that someone, you know, passionately put on there in 1973. It's still there. I mean, it was good back then. But guys, this doesn't cut it anymore. This doesn't give a face to a church that goes, hey, come in. We're life-giving. We want to love you. Take a look at what it looks like on the inside. This auditorium seats about 300 people and the stage up here is quite small and they brought the same rock in. Whoever did that, it was a genius. At least they matched things from the front, but it's still 1973. It all has to be tore down. It all has to be redone. Now, so the question I have for you is this. You're experiencing being here at New Life right now, um, the, the, the bonus or the gift of people that gave sacrificially. My question to you today is this. Who's going to be the generation that gives sacrificially so that we can plant a healthy church in North Platte? Are those people sitting here right now? Maybe you're a person of vision. And I would ask you, if you're a person of vision, please wrap your head about around this attitude of planting more churches that helps us reach more people for the cause of Jesus Christ. And would you consider giving sacrificially to that North Platte church plant? You might be down in our gym right now experiencing all the great blessings of worshiping in that environment, a church that we planted right here so that we could give people an example of what churches would look like in multiple cities like North Platte. And I'm going to ask you if you would consider giving in a radical kind of a way to help us go and plant this North Platte. You might be here in this church and say, whether you're here or you're down in our gym and go, I wasn't here for any of these other uh, growth phases. I wasn't able to be a part of any of the other sacrificial giving moments. I'm asking you, this is your moment now to step up to the plate and be a part of doing something that God's doing. I've asked our staff to be a part of it and they've all cut their budgets at the first of the year by 10%. We've taken all that money. We've put it into an account that's going to be used for ministry in North Platte. But I'm telling you guys right now, we need a truckload of money to make the front of this place look the way it needs and make the inside of it function the way it needs to so that we can reach people when we want to open up those doors. There's no other thing for me to say other than we stepped out by faith and we believe as a board and as a staff that God's going to make our way. And that one of the ways that God's going to make our way is by asking you, challenging you to give sacrificially, to be the next generation that helps us plant another church. Our vision our vision here at New Life is to plant multiple sites wherever God would open the door. Well, how many sites, Jeff? I don't know how many sites. I'm not one of those guys walking around. We're going to have 10 sites. No. You know how many sites we're going to have? 
as many as God knocks on our door and asks us to go do it. This facility paid off. The house that our staff are living in paid off. We're debt free. We just need, we just need the startup cash to get going. And we're trusting God to do that. And we're going to go, we're going to take every one of those doors, door by door, as God opens them. And we're going to send people. There are people that are going to move from this site. They're going to move to North Platte to help us plan it. There's going to be some of you who are going to hop in vans every Sunday and you're going to drive out there and you're going to be part of the core crew that helps us plant that. You're going to go out there and teach the Sunday school class. You're going to go out there and be involved in children's ministry or youth ministry. we got people that are living there now so that we can plant a healthy church. I want you to be a part of it. So you might ask, well, then how am I supposed to give? How much am I supposed to give? Well, the beauty of that is here at New Life, we see your spiritual journey in four key phases. The first phase we call step. Basically, the, the continuation of it is step over the line. Basically, what it means is that in your spiritual journey right now, you're at a place where you've yet to give your life to Christ. You're seeking after God. You're trying to discern, is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? Am I supposed to really follow him? Is he the one true God? And you're asking those questions and you're here. And I want to say thank you for being here or thank you for worshiping with us in our gym. For you... Giving is something that's going to look a lot more like a token gift. A token gift. And so when I'm talking about this North Platte, what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to give a token gift. But I'm asking you to challenge yourself and make that token gift something that's sacrificial. If a token gift to you is $10 or $20, I'm going to ask you to make it $100. That's all. Because that's where you're at spiritually. To ask or to demand or to encourage you to do anything else would be setting you up for failure. So that's where you're at. That's what I'm challenging you to do. But if you don't want to stay there spiritually, and if you want to get to the next phase of your spiritual journey, we call that walk. And that's the continuation of it is walk steady. It basically means that you've given your life to Jesus. You're new in this journey, right? And you're learning what it means to walk out your relationship with God. And for you, financially, what we see as a staff is that financially you would be at a place where you're just a giver of offerings. You find things that hit your heart and you give to them, like missions, um, you know, or, uh, or something like this North Platte piece. It's an offering, but it's more consistent. It's like, I'll give that every week, you know, for the rest of this year, an offering that you would give. I want to challenge you. Give a sacrificial offering to this North Platte campus. But what if you don't want to stay there? What if you want to go on in your journey with God and you want to get closer and closer to God? We call that run. Run straight. Here is walk steady. We're learning how to walk steady. Then we're learning how to run straight after God. What does that look like if that's where you're at spiritually? That looks more like a person that's learned how to tithe. A tithe simply means I give God 10%. It's what I do with my personal finances. I give God 10%, but it also means that I'm, I give offerings from time to time to different things. So what am, I, what am I saying to you? If that's where you're at spiritually, that's what you should consider doing. Tithe to God and give an offering to this North Platte project. What if you consider yourself to be spiritually mature? Then where are you at in giving? Well, you're both a tither, but you've also learned. You've learned the sacrifice of sacrificial giving. You just come to the place where you learned that it's give it all. That's the phase. Give it all. God, it, it all belongs to you. And if you ask for it, I'm going to give it to you because I can't outgive you. 
It's an act of worship. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of faith. And that's where you live if you're at the stage of being a mature believer. So if that's not where you're at, then don't put that kind of pressure on you. I'm not doing it. And I don't think God is. But I know this, God's knocking on our hearts today and he wants us to take this hard teaching and apply it to our lives. We've got to develop a spirit of giving and we have to develop a sacrifice of giving. So today, that's why I put a thank you card in your bulletin. Would you pull that thank you card out for me really quick? You pull out that thank you card, you're going to notice that in front of you today, or at our information center when you walked in, there was no, there was no, um, offering envelopes. I've taken all the, all the offering envelopes should have been removed. And if they weren't, then I'll talk to the people that were supposed to remove them, but they should all be gone because I want you to use this thank you card to give today. And basically what, what we've, what I've done is I've created a tool that every single person in this auditorium can participate. I want you during our response time, when our worship teams come, I want you to write a thank you note to God. Thanking him for all that he's blessed you with. That's developing that spirit of the giver inside of you. Recognizing, God, you've given it all and I thank you for it. Then you would want to move down here and you'd start filling in your name. And then you could fill in the different boxes depending on how you felt led to give. Right? Tithe and building and missions. uh, All those different types of things. You see here, uh, this person filled in the blank line and said, North Platte, I'm going to give a one-time gift of $50. But you also see that you know, we put online giving because I know many of you give online now um, and you can do that at our website, newlifecarney.org. If you've given last week or you're going to give this week, just write the amount there. But what if you're here today and you're not prepared to give? Then what do you do? Well, you could simply write what I want to give next week or a couple of weeks from now when I when I show back up. It's just an it's an attitude of sacrifice that you get to participate in. You'll fill that out. You'll close it. And you'll put it in the offering envelope. Now, one last thing I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to make a pledge for the rest of 2014, like my wife and I have done, towards the North Platte church plant. Only for the rest of 2014. This is just startup money to help us get going. We're going to believe God. We're going to reach people. Those people are going to come into the church. They're going to be givers. The North Platte location will become self-sustaining by itself in hopefully two to three years down the road. That's what we're looking at. But if you want to do that, then what you would want to do is on that blank line, you would want to put like an amount and put monthly. Just so that we know that this is what God said to you. And you'll put it in the envelope while the worship team is playing. You'll come to the front of one of our auditoriums and you can drop that in one of these baskets. You can kneel down at our altars. You can stand in the front and pray with your spouse. But if you're not comfortable coming to the front, know this, that at the end of our service today during our wrap-up, our ushers will come, um, will come through and will pass our offering bas- baskets where you can drop in your normal tithe and your offering. So if you don't feel comfortable coming to the front, just know we'll do that at the end of our service. So the last thing I've got to say to you, Luke chapter 21 verse 1 said that Jesus was standing there or sitting there watching people give. <laughs> well, just know this. No one in this church knows how much you give. There's only one person and that's our accountant. Not me, not our board. No one knows. You could be the greatest giver in this church. You're not going to get any special treatment over someone else. You could be the least giver in this church. You're going to get no less treatment than anyone else. But know this. Jesus is the one he's watching. What is he watching for though? He's watching your heart. He's watching your heart today. Well, that's, not a, that's not a guilt thing. That's just to let you know we're not watching. 
God's watching. God's looking for your heart today more than he's looking for anything else. Do you have a heart like the spirit of the giver that's willing to have the sacrifice of the giver? That's the hard teaching and revealed truth. It's up to you to figure out how to apply that so that you can see a spiritual revolution take place in your heart. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? God, we come to you today knowing that you are our ultimate provider. Today we tackle the hard subject, finances and giving. The kind of thing that it scares pastors. It, it scares congregants. It, it makes people feel awkward and weird. But Lord, you're the one who brought the subject matter up. So Lord, we looked at your words today. But we know that you're more interested in our heart. So God, I pray for this church, this church of new life, and all that are here today, they would be challenged to have the spirit of the giver, the one who comes to you out of the heart of worship, the one who comes out of a heart of obedience, the one who comes out of a heart of faith and says, God, it all belongs to you. It all belonged to you before I ever got it, and it still does. What do you want to do with it? That we would come with an attitude of surrender. We would say, God, we're laying everything down. We want a heart that goes after you. We want to give it all. Lord, to advance your kingdom. Thank you for a body of believers that have been sacrificial in their giving up to this point, God, in the history of this church. And may this generation, at this time, step up to the plate and go, we'll continue the sacrifice. And we'll step out and we'll give, God, that your kingdom might advance. You find us to be worthy in that manner. You find us to be obedient in that manner. You find us loving you all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.